I think when you walk into a store today and you see a product, the way you access information about it is you look at that hang tag. The only thing you see is price. And a barcode can't take you into the story of a product. It can't take you into who made that product. It can't take you into the materials. When you purchase that product, you remove the ID, right? You disassociate the product from the brand. So it becomes your product, your responsibility. You have to deal with it and what comes next. With the digital ID, your relationship with the brand, one, you'll get all this information and transparency when you purchase a product. And then your relationship with the brand will continue beyond point of sale. You will be able to get that product serviced through the digital ID. You will be able to sell that product through the digital ID. You will be able to um, share that product through the digital ID, even peer to peer. The product will have a life and a voice and essentially be a service to you instead of just an asset or a product that gets lost and unused. Welcome back to another episode of Who's Saving the Planet, the podcast where every week we talk to somebody fighting for a more sustainable future. So I want you to imagine a world where you can walk into a clothing store, take out your phone, and then scan an RFD or a NFC tag on a piece of clothing and have the entire universe of how that piece of clothing was made revealed to you right in your phone how much carbon was used to make it, where the materials were sourced, whether it was ethically produced and how they justified everything that you would need to be able to understand, does this thing, this physical garment, match my values? Right there, right in your hand. That is the world that Natasha and Eon are building. We talk a lot here about how the consumer can affect change, how to empower individual people with the ability to use their choices, their discretionary choices, as a means of supporting more sustainable products so that we can take this $84 trillion consumer market and use it as an avenue to supercharge the adoption of more sustainable practices all the way up the supply chain. And what Eon and what Natasha are building is really a crucial step to that. It's giving us information at the point of sale while we're making decisions. And the implications for that are tremendous. So I'm very excited about sharing with you her story, how she came about building this, the journey that it takes to create it, and now where they are. And not to give away too much, but they've just closed a really substantial round of fundraising, which is going to allow them to grow this to a way that it's going to be ubiquitous. It's going to be crazy to think that you could shop for something without knowing all of the information about the impact that that product has on the planet and on the people that created it. Here is our interview with Natasha Frank, the CEO and founder of Eon Group. Welcome back to another episode of Food Saving the Planet. And my guest today, for reasons undisclosed, will have to introduce herself. Hi, um, great to be here. I'm Natasha Frank, founder. Frank, of- we yes. were Frank. The whole conversation was whether to say Frank <laughs> or Frank, and you're like, you said, I'm like, no, that's I can't do that. So you went with Frank. Where it's a Frank. I went day. with Frank. Yeah, it's a Frank day. I'm Natasha Frank, and uh, founder and CEO of Young. Thank uh, you so much. I'm thrilled to have you here for a couple of reasons. One. You're building something that I personally think about all the time from what I'm doing outside of this podcast, which 
I think is so intuitive and needed and is going to bridge the gap from things that we don't know about the stuff we buy to the things that we want to know about the stuff we buy. Um, and the other reason is I just really enjoyed talking to you when we got it before. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Me too. I can tell that look at your overbearing enthusiasm. That's <laughs> tremendous. Okay. Tell us about Eon. What is it? What is the company? What does it do? How is it changing the planet for the better? Well, you and I share a world um, of sustainable fashion and looking to drive um, that business model transformation across fashion retail. So um, it's been obviously very exciting to chat with you. And of course, in the next few months, make our solutions work together. I mean, inshallah, that we may. That would be great. That we will. Um, and so what we do at Eon is we power the digital ID for products. So our goal is to give every product an identity, turn that physical product into an intelligent and interactive and a circular asset. So okay. today, yeah, we can break Let's that Let's unpack down. that because like some of it sounds like, well, does that mean my computer is going to, or my refrigerator is going to talk to me? And we're not talking about the internet of things here. We're talking about something different, right? So walk me through the consumer experience of when will I first interact with this thing and what is it and what does it do mm -hmm. for me? When will you find this? So we actually are talking about the internet of things. Oh. The technology that we work with is essentially the first break into IoT. So if okay. you think about if you think about the future of IoT where everything is talking to each other, in order for that to be possible, you have to first ID the product. Mm -hmm. So digital ID is really the first step to enable connectivity between people, products, and systems. It's giving every product an identity. And right now, these identities are pretty rudimentary, right? They're a QR code on a product or an NFC that a user can connect with. Um, and so basically, NFC is near field communications, correct? Yes. So it's actually okay. what you use for Apple Pay. So right. imagine tapping the way you tap your phone to pay. You can tap your shirt and go to and go to an experience. Now, why is this necessary? Why do we want to be able to do this? Well, that is a wonderful question. The why of Eon is very important. Um, and sometimes and with digital ID, it's sort of confusing. It's like, why is digital ID so important? Why is digital ID important for sustainability? And what does it matter? Right? People say, well, resale is important for sustainability and recycling is important for sustainability. And they understand all those specific use cases, but it's impossible to scale any of those business models if you can't ID the product and material. Mm -hmm. So the identification of the product is essential to managing a product through resale. You could think of it like a barcode for the circular economy. So I will be able to better understand what what is what composes this product, so what's in it, mm -hmm. how this product was made, and then eventually to certify that this product is an authentic product if it goes back into the resale market because what we've seen a lot of now is there can be fakes in the resale market and there's a lot of duplicity in terms of authenticating the products. Exactly. And if you think about what the what e-commerce did for resale, it made it easier for the customer to participate. Mm -hmm. Right? You have the rise of these online websites like the Real Real, Poshmark, Depop, all enabling resale online, which has by and large driven the growth of resale. Mm -hmm. 
Now, it's still anyone who participates in resale who's listening knows that it's still very challenging and kind of annoying to have to resell a product, right? It's a high friction situation. You're re-photographing it. You're typing the description. You're posting it online, right? There's a lot of friction, which is making it such that people leave their clothes in their closet. They don't resell them. They throw them away, right? These products are not optimized and utilized because it's, in, it's inefficient for people. Now with digital ID, you'll be able to scan that product and say, scan it and then resell directly through the brand. So you can request a return label, that brand will buy it back from you and you can now either get a credit or cash to purchase. So within, you wanna think about it as within each and every product is baked in resale, is baked in recycling. So instead of you as an individual user trying to figure out what to do with your product next, your product tells you and it makes it seamless and easy for you to resell, even more easy than, um, you know, the Internet of Things is going to make resale market much more easier than just the rise of e-commerce. So this is really, you're talking about this from the business case idea where um, it's facilitating something that's easier for consumers to do. And mm -hmm. by in course of doing that, we create new life for the products that we have. And so we consume less overall. Exactly. And also, so the original brand is incentivized to have you participate in these new models. And I think that is a big, big key that most people when advocating for sustainability forget, right? How do yes. we change the business model of the brands? This is something that you and I are very closely aligned on. And such, I will now infuse this with some facts because I very much Let's like go. facts. <laughs> If you're looking at the total CO2 um, greenhouse gas emissions of the fashion industry today, it's uh, around 2 billion metric tons. And we need that to go down to about 1 billion metric tons by 2050 in order to make, actually really by 2030, in order to make our net neutral commitments as like a fashion industry in general. Now it's on track to go up to about 2.7 billion tons. So we need about a 50% reduction in the overall amount of carbon emissions from this industry. And that's going to come from three main places. This is going to come from reducing upstream operations, reducing the emissions from the brand's own operations, and then also in encouraging sustainable consumer behavior, which is to say, all three aspects of these things, if we're going to save the planet, need to be working in concert. Mm -hmm. We need the consumer to understand more about the product itself and to use it in a way that is better. So not washing it as much of it needs to, repairing it in a way that can sustain the life. And what would be easier to do that than just scan the product you have and be like, what am I supposed to do here, right? When's the last time anyone's read a tag? We can make that a lot easier. But also we need to incentivize the brands to change the way that they are operating both from their material sourcing and their internal production. And if a yeah. consumer can understand what that path was before making a purchasing decision, we can be armed with that information to then decide to spend our money on the stuff that's not going to kill us. And your technology is going to make that incredibly easy for people to access at a point of sale when they're making a choice. Beautifully said. I mean, I'm like, this is my, I'm totally there. So that's awesome because this is really, it's, it's hard to understand how transformative a change like this can mm -hmm. be because it has to do with consumer behavior. And so mm -hmm. it's hard to model that out because people are freaking strange. We're weird, weird creatures. 
But the opportunity that you present is to provide more information that allows us to use that to make choices as we're navigating our daily life. Yes. And, and for us, I think you brought forward a big theme that holds true for us at Eon, which is the systems change, right? I think we've been in a paradigm where it's the brand's fault or it's this person's fault, or it's, you know, everyone's looking to blame someone for the situation at hand. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think where we've been focused on Eon is how can we within the current paradigm, right? No real change or impact is possible because the business model of the brands and retailers is fundamentally flawed. And there's no, we don't, we're not looking as an industry towards how do we change the business model? We've looked mainly at small band-aids, right? Here's a small off the shoot resale program. Here's a sustainable capsule collection, right? It's not really, it's, it's not transformational shifts into new business models. It's small efforts within the existing paradigm. And so when we look at digital ID, what gets us really excited is that it unlocks, it's what you call a leverage point to a new system or to a new paradigm, whereby once every product has an ID, we're no longer in this current model of billions and billions of products that get produced and essentially disappear Right. The next season, we are in a model where every product is identified and is an asset and can now be managed, monetized and stewarded through this new life cycle. And it, the brands are very incentivized to digitize their products now because they see that they can monetize those products through two or three or four life cycles and that mm -hmm. they can recapture those materials to recycle them and reuse them. Right. So because it's bringing along the brands into this new financial paradigm where they're monetizing their products through, through the life cycle, it's getting a lot of traction and it's going to really help that, that transformational shift into a new business model. Which brands do you have on board right now that are adopting the Eon? Is it called the Eon, the thing? What is, what is it actually called? Yeah, so we're, our company is called Eon, and the technology that we work with is called Digital ID. Okay, so, so yeah. which companies do you have on board that are adopting this digital ID methodology? Yeah, we've, we believe every product will have an ID, and so that spans fast fashion companies to luxury brands. So partners and clients of Eon include groups like Target, Uxnet-a-Porter, Gabriella Hearst, Pangaea, H&M. Uh, PVH Corp. A lot of these brands also partnered with us to develop um, the, pro the circular product data protocol, which Eon uses to digitize and many, many more launching this year, which is really exciting because we're starting to see brands move from um, move into creating millions and millions of products digitized. We also recently stewarded a commitment across leading luxury brands, Burberry, Stella McCartney, Chloe, um, Giorgio Armani to digitize all their products by 2025. That is so, every single product that they produce will have a digital ID by 2025. That's, that has the potential to really change the way that we think about buying stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty tremendous. If I will, if we just take a moment and think about that, right. That's sort of a, a perhaps a sea change or a tipping point where the world was different mm -hmm. because things did not have a registry that we could understand about it. And now mm -hmm. 
the world will be something different from things to come. Um, what do you see the consumer experience looking like when we all go back into the world and let's say I walk into you know, a store in two or three years? Well, how, will I, how will my experience be different than it is now? I think when you walk into a store today and you see a product, the way you access information about it is you look at that hang tag. And mm-hmm. the only the only thing you see is price. Mm-hmm. And a barcode can't take you into the story of a product. It can't take you into who made that product. It can't take you into the materials. Um, and then when you purchase that product, you remove the ID, right? You disassociate the product from the brand. Mm-hmm. So it becomes your product, your responsibility. You have to deal with it and what comes next, right? With the digital ID, your relationship with the brand, one, you'll get all this information and transparency when you purchase a product. And then your relationship with the brand will continue beyond point of sale. You will be able to get that product serviced through the digital ID. You will be able to sell that product through the digital ID. You will be able to um, share that product through the digital ID, even peer to peer, right? So the product will have a life and a voice, um, and essentially be a service to you instead of just, um, an asset or a product that gets lost and unused. In order for this to be useful to some degree, it needs to be ubiquitous, right? So that mm-hmm. it becomes part of our, our sort of normal process. How were you able to get all of these brands on board to see this vision for this this different type of informational future? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> How so, long have you been working on this, I mean, first of all? I've been working on this for seven years at this point. And when I started, you know, being naive is a gift to some extent. Um, when I started, I said, you know, I'm going to take this into H&M and I'm going to take this to the biggest brands and they're going to see instantly that this is what should be done and then they're going to do it and then I'll be done. You know, I just thought it was going to be so quick um, and I just didn't understand how things worked. <laughs> and so seven years later, you know, I'd take five years later, we were starting to roll out our first digitized products at scale. Seven years later, we really have a service offering. Um, it, a lot of it, I mean, even the hardest part was getting to be heard, right? Getting in places where we were able to share and get you know, brands and, and retailers and industry to listen to, to this idea in the very early stages. And also making sure that you're talking to the right people. Like a lot of the people that we talked to in the early stages, they were like, yeah, this sounds interesting, but like I am responsible for the hang tag on the garment. Like I can't help you, (laughs) you know, like when you're in a new blue ocean space, it's not like there's a clear stakeholder for you to talk to as a brand. There was no person who was like head of digital ID. When we talked to someone who was on the e-commerce team, they'd be like, yeah, I work in the tech side, but I don't ever touch the physical product. So I can't help you with that. You know, we were, we were at the intersection of so many different disciplines that in order for us to roll out with brands, we needed a representative, a representative from marketing, digital product, 
data, and sustainability. We needed five representatives from a brand to roll out digital ID. So we had to get every one of those stakeholders on board to even do a pilot. And sustainability may not even have been a category of department five years ago. Even now, it's clear the momentum is behind it, but it's still a nascent consideration to be on par with like revenue generation type of department heads. And the sustainability people were basically at that time in charge of materials, nothing related to technology. Right. So they were like, we can't help you with IT. So there was How just did, a huge gap. So what kept you going during those five years when you were wandering in the wilderness, trying to like find out who to schedule a meeting with? <laughs> um, it was, you know, at that point, it was mainly me and Annie on my team. Mm-hmm. And we just really saw it right? Like we were just like, this is the end and this is the future. And when you see where you want to go, you just figure out how to get there. I think if we didn't have as clear a destination, it would have been very easy to get side railed. And you recently have some pretty substantial success to announce. Yes. After seven years, which I'd say is, is longer than the average startup. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's like, oh my God, overnight success. And the person's like, no, no, this was a decade of my life. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) After seven years, we have um, closed a series A investment with, which is very, very exciting for Eon. Congratulations. And this will allow you to really expand, I would imagine, your team, the depth of the product offering. Like, like where do you see yourself being able to develop in the next two, three years? Yeah. For us, the digital ID, in order to prove, um, in order to scale digital ID, we need to prove the value of the commercial and revenue generating value of the digital ID to brands. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's also essential for circular business model transformation. Right. If we're going to get brands to move into a fully circular model, then they need to see value. Um, And so with with our upcoming product development roadmap, our goal is really enabling brands to start to connect their product IDs and to resale partners, to recycle partners, such that their products are really um, getting stewarded through a more um, controlled and revenue generating life cycle for the brands. Do you feel like you can relax a little bit now after seven years that you've got sort of like some validation from not that Mm. money is validation, but you know, I have a, a unique opportunity to speak to a lot of people that work a lot of time to make something happen. And what you don't talk to is the people who are like, I spent five years doing it. And now I'm here on the podcast to talk about why it didn't work. And I do think that would be like an interesting thing to explore. Mm -hmm. But what I'm always curious about is like, is there a moment when you feel like, you know what? Okay. I can take my foot off the gas or does, has that not come yet? Every step of Eon has been a new beginning. Right. Like I didn't realize that when I got here, that this was actually just a new beginning to another plateau. Right. And what's interesting about it is it also changes the work that you do as an individual. Right. In the early stages of Eon, I was just at the computer by myself, you know, manically 
reaching out to people for about nine hours a day, right? Now, my role within the company is different, right? It's hiring, it's people, it's growth, it's strategy, it's partnerships. So it's it's a new beginning and it's exciting because I think we all on the team feel like we're exercising different skills, um, but it's definitely, it's no walk on the beach. <laughs> no, um, it never is, right? No matter how far yeah. you've come. Um, how, uh, oh, you just scared out of me the question I was going to ask you. Um, is there any advice that you would give that younger version of yourself that seven years ago, Natasha, as she was getting started on this journey? Mm. Um, no, because if you give it, if you go back and give advice, you know, you can't, you don't know the ripple effects that, through the universe. And I, so we're in the butterfly, we're in the butterfly. Right? Yeah, this is Ashton Kusher is going to pop up any minute and be like, you should have known. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like if I went back and told myself not to be so nervous and scared and anxious and paranoid, then maybe I wouldn't have, you know, been so dedicated to getting to this moment. So I don't know. Do you think that is so resonant that the entrepreneur needs to be somewhat naive and delusional in order to like try to create something out of nothing? Like, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier and, and the journey that even you were sharing with how, how do you make people believe in that what you're trying to build makes sense, you know, and that's a really hard <laughs> I know we both laugh, almost impossible thing to do. It is. I mean, the Steve Jobs quote, which is often bandied around is some version of he's trying to make a dent in the universe mm. as though like that was the scale of the ambition. Mm. And I think to some degree, you kind of got to look at it that way so that, so that the incremental steps feel useful, yes. even if they are just, you know, at scope, like infinitesimal, negligent, de minimis, mm -hmm. but you have to be like, no, no, this is one more step on the, on a grander vision. You know, that is just so well said and, and really reminds me of our days at Eon because we have this like 1% every day kind of mentality. And I think maybe I've driven some of the team members a little crazy. They're like, Natasha, you can't change the deck every day. And I'm just like, well, if we change it a little bit and it gets a little bit better, right? And then I look at it and yes, there are, if you looked at our Dropbox of one single presentation, there are maybe 2000 copies, right? It's almost absurdist. Mm -hmm. But when, then when you look at that, the difference, those 2000 presentations, you look at the first one and, this, and the last one in a you know six month period and they are radically different. Yeah. It's like David Attenborough just narrating like the growth of an oak tree over a thousand years. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so what do you think then is going to be five years from now when this Natasha is thinking, is going to like talk to that Natasha down the road in your wildest dreams, what does that world look like? I think our team is just really excited about what happens when all the products have ID, right? And then you almost like getting the ID on the product is one step. 
Now, how do you connect the ID to a system? How do you connect products to systems? So, you know, I'll give you an example of that is one of the things we're trying to solve for at Eon is systems for recycling, right? You can't recycle a textile if you don't know what it's made of. Mm -hmm. So once you ID the product in the product ID in the cloud, you include the material content, right? That's what we do at Eon. We encode the material content within each product's digital ID. That's all well and good and, you know, kind of boring and tedious to some people to figure out how to do. But all of a sudden, once you get all those products encoded with the material ID, now that product arrives at a recycler and that recycler can scan it and ID the material content. And so at Eon, now that we've sort of done this step on the right of, or I guess there's no visual here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. this, this first step of IDing the product, um, now it's like, who does that ID connect to? Mm -hmm. Right. So first step, ID the product. Second step, have that ID connect to different partners. One partner is the recycler. So now we're starting to build connect data connections, essentially like a data highway into recycling partners such that they can access the data to run that into resale partners, into digital wardrobe applications. And so it's, it's really exciting now. We're almost entering into a stage of infinite possibilities um, once that product um, gets its ID. I just, and I feel like we just like stepped into the metaverse here if we're entering into a, a stage of infinite possibilities. How do you see this? I mean, if you are in the technological world right now, and heaven help you if you're like actually in the venture capital or seeking venture capital world, everything is what is Web3? What is your DAO application? How is this going to be a cryptocurrency? What have you? So what do you see? Is there any connection between what is this perceived sort of like evolution of the internet into its next incarnation mm. and the documentation of all of this real life material that is making its way around our world? Yeah, I think we, I mean, some people live in more of a futurist world than I do in, in the tech space um, right now. And at Eon, we are um, we are a physical tech company, right? Like we are dealing with physical products in the real world, the impact of those products on people and environment. Um, yes, the digital ID is a bridge between the digital and the physical, right? Mm -hmm. Because now your physical product has an identity in the cloud, right? Your are there any downsides to that? your physical product has like a passport, right? This product was resold, this product was recycled. And yes, you ask, are there downsides, right? What, what the data that Eon works with is product data, right? So we're dealing with this product's material content, this product's original retail price, this product's, um, you know, resale value. That is very exciting to start to see, you know, products and where they're moving in the world. And it also has the potential from a sustainability perspective it looks like it will be mandated by forthcoming policy initiatives, the digital product passport or the digital ID, really the same thing. Really? Um, yeah, because if you think about it, how do you make um, regulation around recycling rates or tax? How do you, if, if you're familiar with extended producer responsibility, EPR is basically about accountability in circular economy for brands. Now, if you don't know where those products are going, how can you hold a brand accountable?
Yeah. When it comes to recycling, that's doubly important, right? Because something can be recyclable, but there's no indication of the type of energy that it takes to recycle that. Exactly. So with digital ID, you can actually see, oh, X company, 20% of your products were recycled, right? Mm. It actually brings in the data to have accountability. And without that data, we can't have any accountability and brands can't be financially responsible for the impact of their products. And that, and that is eventually closing the loop of sustainable capitalism to, exactly. yeah, that's your, your shift from shareholder to stakeholder capitalism to some yes. degree. Yes. I think that's fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited about this just personally. I think this is such a wonderful evolution with transparency and integrity interwoven, if you will, mm-hmm. into our products. <laughs> Quite literally. I yeah. never a podcast escapes without a dad pun. Yeah. So <laughs> it took me a while to get there. <laughs> but we got there. It took you eons. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. We're good. We got to close it out there. That was perfect. <laughs> Natasha, um, CEO and founder of Eon, thank you so much for coming on board. And thank I you. cannot wait to see this. Well, one last question. When am I going to be yeah. able to walk into a store and scan something? When is <laughs> When is that future going to happen? You can start purchasing products with Digital ID now. You can go on our website and see which brands are doing it and, and start buying off the website now. Does does your sweater have a Digital ID in it that you're wearing right now? I think this sweater is from the 90s, so no, unfortunately. I, if we could Digital ID the 90s, that would be tremendous. <laughs> I don't know if that would be good for me. Oh, no. As a millennial, I I live in the nostalgia of Alicia Silverstone's heyday all the time. But that's that's neither here nor there in terms of this podcast. (laughs) Um, Well, it actually is. It kind of brings us back to the clueless closet, which Digital ID is going to enable. Our dreams will come true. For those of us who remember... She forced Polaroid pictures to be taken as opposed to a mirror because that was not. So if only she had this technology, I'm really giving away how much I remember from that movie. Um, Okay, Natasha, it was a pleasure to have you aboard. Thank you so much. And please keep in touch as you continue to roll this out. We'd love to be able to follow along with your success. Thank you so much. Thank you. Tune in next week for another story of how somebody is fighting to build a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Lex, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.